So this is the second part of the sermon on, uh, on, the, on behavior. How do I act? How should I behave? Um, that is, how should I act? How should I behave? Is often answered in the, in the Christian church by uh, WWJD. What would Jesus do? It's, it's based on the imitation of Christ. Um, how should I act? Well, what would Jesus do in that situation? I was surprised as I prepared this sermon how frequently the New Testament asks us to be imitators of Jesus. The passage that Stan just read, be imitators of God, beloved children, love as Christ loved. 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. Jesus said, follow me. I mean, it didn't, it might have meant follow me wherever I go, but follow me would be follow my lead, do what I do. Uh, at, at, uh, the last, at the Last Supper, Jesus, Jesus said, love as I have loved you. Go and do likewise. You know, Jesus is called the way, the way, the truth, and the life. Live the way Jesus lived. You know. So there's a lot of <clears throat> imitation of Christ that's advised in the New Testament. Imitation um, can have a negative side to it, a downside, a negative connotation. You know, Imitation is not the real thing. It's not necessarily authentic. It can be a ripoff, you know. Oh, you know, that's not a real Armani. That is a ripoff. That's not real um, uh, Gucci. It's a ripoff. We, we don't like imitation. We want the real thing. Oh, that, that minister is just imitating somebody by wearing skinny jeans to be acceptable. You know, it, it's... Um, we want the real thing. You know, there was a school of thought that if ministers wore skinny jeans that their attendance would double. Um, <laughs> now, all of that said, all of that said, you know, we want to imitate. We have role models. We have mentors. You know, one of the one of the neat things about preparing this sermon was, was thinking about all the role models and mentors I've had that I've been privileged to have. Um, people I did want to be like, people that I wanted to imitate, people that helped me in my life journey. Um, I've, I've been very blessed in having mentors and role models, and I hope you have too. In the old days, we used to talk about... Um, the apprentice, being an apprentice, uh, where, where a young person would, would even live with a, a blacksmith or a tinsmith or a silversmith and learn how, how to do that work, to learn that skill. When, when we moved here, um, our son, uh, who was in his early 20s then, had trouble finding a job, and Doug Aschenbach, who was who was a member here and still is a member, but he lives in Florida now. Um, Doug found a job for, for Nick at Buckeye Realty as a, 
as a handyman to do carpentry and plumbing and electrical work. And when, when Nick, after his first day on the job, we were you know, very interested when, we came, when he came home and we were pumping him. What did you do? What did you do? Well, you know, I helped, I helped hang this door and I helped install this garbage disposal. And, you know, I seated a toilet. And, and Susan said, well, when you seated the toilet, did you do this? And he said, yes. And then Susan said, and then what did you do? And he told her what he did. And then he looked at Susan and said, Mom, I did it just like you taught me. <laughs> you know? And, and I realized that, in a sense, Susan and all our kids had been apprenticing under Susan. Um, you know, I, I'm not quite clear um, what they've learned from me, but I realize that I, too, have been apprenticing under Susan. I mean, I, I too, uh, want to be like her. I, I, I want to have her peace. I want to have her joy. I want to have her, her sense of, of forgiveness and mercy, you know. Um, we spend a lot of time with imitation and role models and mentors. You know, we student teachers, um, student ministers, residencies, big brother, big sister, to learn how to be a responsible adult. So much of life is this imitation. You know, artists, you know, well, okay, do this how I'm doing it. You know, pianists, well, okay, hold your hands like this. You know, baseball and golf, okay, now watch how I do it. When I think of imitation, I think of somebody has something that I want. Somebody has something that I lack. And so I might ask them, but more likely I'll just watch them and, and, and see what they do and, and try to imitate it. Imitation, you know, begins, Thomas Akempis in in imitation of Christ, a devotional classic, Akempis says, the first thing we do when we imitate somebody is empty ourselves. Empty ourselves of the idea of how we do it. Empty ourselves of, 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 of our practices so that we can be filled with the other person's knowledge and spirit. You know, often when we are mentored by somebody or follow them as a role model, we inherit their spirit too. We inherit the strength to do what they do. Then he goes on to say that when we realize we lack something, we want a teacher. You know, and when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And then he says, it's a matter of taking the time. Habits and skills and mastery don't happen immediately. There is no quick fix. It's long work. It's been estimated that to master a skill, 
takes 10,000 hours. When Jesus said, follow me, he was talking about the long run. You know, it wasn't going to be a sprint. It takes a long time to acquire skills. And we have to practice. It takes a long time to move from being a person who writes to being a writer. It takes a long time from being a person who plays the piano to being a pianist. It takes a long time and practice and imitation until we become kind. There's a difference between a person who does kind acts and a kind person. We want to imitate and practice until it becomes second nature. It just becomes a part of us, and we do it naturally. You know, it's been said, we don't really know a foreign language until we actually start to think and dream in that language. Otherwise, we're very self-consciously translating as we go. We want it to become second nature and just flow naturally from us. Mark Twain said, you know, some people know the words but not the music. This practice and imitation is knowing the words and the music. Imitation is about transformation. It's about coming, becoming a new person. It's about becoming a different person. And in this sense, you know, this is what the emptying is about. We empty ourselves of our old person so that we can become a new person. <laughs> and sometimes I might not want to empty myself. I want to hold on to the old influences, the old ways of doing things. I don't want to transform. The word imitate and the word image come from the same root, to copy, to copy. And we are made in the image of God. So when Paul says, be imitators of God, he's reminding us that we're made in the image of God, not in the image of somebody else or something else, and that we're truly ourselves, we're truly fulfilling our purpose when we are in the image of God. And I have to say, would I rather hold on to my temper and to my self-centeredness and my ideas of perfection? Or would I rather be in the image of God, fully alive and fully human? When Paul says, be imitators of God, 
He's asking us to practice at being fully human and let God fill us so that happens. You know, Christianity is not about learning about God, learning about Christ, learning about Christian church. Christianity is about becoming God-like, becoming Christ-like, becoming a new person. And that takes practice. Our practicing and being in the image of God is so that we can be participants and create the kingdom of God. As we imitate God in generosity, we help the kingdom of God along. When we imitate God in stewardship, by not wasting creation and not misusing creation, by not wasting people and misusing people, we move the kingdom of God along. When we practice hospitality, when we practice affirming people and welcoming them and saying there's a place at the table, we move the kingdom of God along when we practice forgiveness by giving people a second chance and working to understand them, we move the kingdom of God in all these ways as we live into the image of God. We make the kingdom of God become real. This Ephesian passage is, is really neat. I, Paul goes through a list of do's and don'ts, and they're, they're good stuff. It's good stuff. Do not be angry. Do not be controlled by your anger. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't break God's heart. Do not engage in meddling and, and bitterness and wrangling, he calls it. But practice kindness. Practice generosity. And I get the feeling as he goes through this list, in the end he just throws up his hands and says, I could go on forever with all of this stuff. But the bottom line is, be imitators of God, beloved children of God. And I would think it would be hard to imitate God unless we realize we're a beloved child of God. Be imitators of God, Beloved children, love as Christ loved, sacrifice as Christ sacrificed, and be a fragrant offering. I love that phrase, be a fragrant offering. We all have a smell. We smell all the time. Wednesday, I had quite a contrast between smells that began the day and that ended the day. 
in the morning I, I came in and I, I was the first person in the building. And as I was around that area outside the King Avenue door inside the building, there was this smell that was up and down the stairwell. And I opened the door to the King Avenue steps and um, somebody had left a deposit on the steps. And it smelled. And I got out the hose and hosed off the steps. This wasn't the first time this has happened this week. And I thought, my gosh, how, how a smell can just permeate the room and be offensive. And in the evening, as people were gathering for our, our meditation service in the art gallery, Layla Maley brought in three sacks of um, muffins and croissants. And she said, I, I just brought these for people um, to take after they, after they leave the service. And she opened the bag and whew, it was so fragrant. The room just filled with the aroma of these baked goods. And I thought, what, what a great way to end the day from how it started. You know, and I thought, smell fills the room. And I thought, there's a stench to that bitterness and that anger and that wrangling that, that Paul talks about. And there's a sweetness to muffins. There's a sweetness to love and forgiveness and mercy. And I thought, what smell do we want to practice? And when I'm acting and behaving, do I ever stop and think, is this going to be a fragrant smell that permeates the room and brings joy to everyone? Be imitators of God and love as Christ loved to be a fragrant offering that fills the room with joy and love and forgiveness. May it be so. Amen.